Feeling my way through the darkness Guided by a beating heart I can't tell where the journey will end But I know where to start They tell me well, Welcome back to the program, Virginia Your friendly, friendly neighborhood hatchet man Brother Craig Coming back at you live here on Virginia's Big Dog Radio Program, The Really Real Deal. And folks, as we often say, this is Man's World Radio, Grown Folks Radio, and we have another fantastic guest, folks. Uh, We have none other than Joel Gilbert, and uh, it's been a long time since we've had you on, uh, Joel, but uh, we're just so happy to have you back, man, and you have done it again. Uh, I was looking at the trailer uh, for this, uh, this film you've done on Trump, The Art of the insult it is funny (laughs) great great to be back great to hear your voice and uh yeah this film is called the art of the insult trump the art of the insult uh you can see anyone can see the trailer at artoftheinsult.com and it went to number one on amazon it was only released this past tuesday wow that's fast yeah and the film is just uh, 95 minutes long and it's uh all the uh branding and marketing techniques that's what i call them of donald trump uh, at the time people thought they were insults and you know uh being not nice but uh, mm-hmm. when you see the film you see everything back to back you start to understand trump uh much more i thought i understood trump now i really understand him since i made the film uh he's people, quick on his feet well people thought of trump as a real estate guy but in fact when he ran for president he'd been in the music business i'm sorry the entertainment business for 30 years, he was uh, promoting the lowest of the low, professional boxing, professional wrestling. Uh, he owned a USF football team, uh, Miss Universe, the, the Apprentice. So he had seen and done it all when it came to marketing and hype. Mm-hmm. And he knew how to manipulate the media and control the narrative with very simple concepts. Mm-hmm. And the very first one he came up with, which people remember, of course, uh, Jeb Bush was the front runner, and he had $120 million in the bank, and he came up with two words. Donald Trump said, Jeb is low energy. Mm-hmm. Low energy. And it was over. People, you know. And it's said, true. Well, the the sweet know, part about it, he is low energy. You know, the guy did go and try to get his mama to help him. <laughs> that's, that's right. Because all of Trump's, uh, you know, branding and nicknames all had a mix of humor and truth. And uh, that's why they were so effective. Yeah, yeah. Now, there's one, well, actually, there's two I really didn't agree with. You know, one was when he went after Carly's uh, face, and the other one when he called Ted Cruz lying Ted. But, he, right. you know, he had, I think he had to, because Cruz had a certain stature, uh, and he had to take him out. And so he, I guess he did what he had to do. Well, let me comment on those two. Uh, the comment about Carly's face really did go too far, and uh, people were uncomfortable. You really can't talk about a woman's looks. Yeah. So that one he kind of dialed back pretty quick. So he did try a lot of them out. Like he would fly into these uh, you know, airport hangars on this giant airplane. There were like four people on the plane, a pilot, a co-pilot, Trump, and a security guy. And he would land at these airport hangars with his airplane. He'd park it in the background. And he would launch into these speeches, which was a lot of performance art. He would yell out all kind of funny nicknames and try out different material. And certainly the uh, Carly's face didn't work, so he just you know, moved on to something else. As far as the uh, Ted Cruz, uh, Lion Ted, now, when that came out, it was pretty shocking, and it, it wasn't true. And it was even hurtful to a lot of people that liked Ted. And uh, 
But what Trump was doing is he was going after Cruz's strength. Cruz's strength was he was honest, mm-hmm. he was a constitutional, principled person, he would never lie. So Trump tried to simply go after what it was his strength was. Everybody knew it wasn't true, but it had the most effect, I think, on Ted Cruz himself. Yeah. It really unnerved Ted and made him hypersensitive. And once that happened, he came up with, uh, Trump, of course, retweeted the picture of uh, Ted's wife, Heidi, next to Melania. Mm -hmm. And later it was, uh, you know, Ted had an affair, and then it was uh, his father. Which also was not true. Yeah, also not true, the affair thing. Also not true, but as long as Cruz reacted badly, Mm -hmm. uh, it just encouraged, I think, Trump to continue. Yeah. Well, see, what Cruz doesn't, didn't get, I think, um, and, you know, I was, I was a very early uh, Cruz supporter, but I I mean, I I really predicted that Trump would win. I actually wrote an article, uh, Trump, Carson, Cruz, predicting it would be those three uh, and that Carson would fade first and then Cruz and Trump would battle. And I wrote in that article that if Ted Cruz did not learn how to get tough and defeat Donald Trump, that Trump would become president, and that's exactly what happened because Cruz wanted to do what Republicans typically want to do. It's just be right, be correct, and and be nice, be civil, be polite, and we're not in an era where that's going to work. Right. Well, i make a few comments. I think you were absolutely right to pick the three outsider candidates as the ones that would have the potential to, to win. Yeah. Uh, you're right about that. Now, I was actually a media advisor, believe it or not, to Ted Cruz and did a lot of the early uh, filming and video work and did some writing for Cruz, so I know the campaign uh, quite well. And uh, I had spent a lot of time with Republican base voters around the country screening my other films. You remember uh, Dreams from My Real Father. Yes, I love that one. And uh, you got the pictures of him and, uh, and uh, Frank Marshall Davis at similar ages. He looked like he spit him out. <laughs> exactly. So the, the, I showed in that film the Kenyan Obama was not the real father. The uh, real father was Frank Marshall Davis, yes. an American communist and Soviet agent during the Cold War. That Obama admits raised him, biology aside, uh, this is the biggest influence on Obama. Yes. And uh, so I spent a lot of time with these people around the country, and it was clear to me that the Republican base had shifted far to the right mm-hmm. of the establishment. Now, Ted Cruz, at that time, he was the anti-establishment hero. He was 100%. Uh, they loved Ted. He had stood up to Obama, the first one to do so, the Obamacare filibuster. Yeah. He read Green Eggs and Ham on the Senate floor. He, it was election was his to lose, and I told Cruz this. He just needed to beat Ted Cruz, the outsider, the rebel. Mm-hmm. You know, Mr. Cruz goes to Washington. But instead, uh, he really wanted to show that he could attract the people in the middle. So what he did is he put this establishment-style campaign together, mm-hmm. uh, chairman in every state, chairman in every county, organizing with no particular message. So I think Donald Trump came along and said, okay, if you don't want to beat Ted Cruz, I'll beat Ted Cruz. And uh, so Ted Cruz won the election. The the drain the swamp guy was Ted Cruz, but he didn't want it anymore. So Trump, uh, you know, took it over that role. And uh, I think that's why he won. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, that's an excellent analysis. I mean, when I saw those guys go to the very first state, Iowa, and one man out of 18 said, we're going to eliminate corn subsidies for this phony uh, ethanol industry, which is a a negative energy producer, uh, one guy said, 
No, and and he won the state. So that tells me one thing about the American people, that even if you say something that's not in their financial interest, there is a group of people in this nation that will glom on to it just because it is true. That gave me some hope for the future of the nation. And I well, hope it's not one. just Iowa. <laughs> well, uh, another thing I'll point out with uh, Trump, and you'll see that in the film, again, it's The Art of the Insult at artoftheinsult.com. Uh, you can uh, remember back at the very beginning of the campaign when uh, Megyn Kelly went after Trump at the first debate and accused Trump of calling women fat pigs, dogs, sloths, and disgusting animals. Uh, so he stole the moment. He said he responded, only Rosie O'Donnell. Brilliant comeback. You know, and when everybody laughed. Brilliant. And, uh, and then about a week later when Jorge Ramos from Univision kept interrupting him at the press conference, and Trump said, go back to Univision, and he threw him out of the press conference. And the next day he didn't apologize when everyone mm-hmm. demanded he apologize. So right there you could argue the election was over. People wanted a fighter. They wanted someone that could stand up, especially Hillary. And the Republicans, when you see my film, you'll see all the Republicans, they just don't know how to handle Trump's uh, attacks. Now, sometimes he was sophomoric, sometimes he was brutal, but he always got his point across by branding his opponents. And the, the most the Republicans would say in response would be, well, Donald Trump's not nice enough to beat Hillary. Mm. Uh, oh, that's and, not how you beat Hillary. Exactly. You don't beat her by being nice. When's the last time a nice guy won? Uh, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, but aren't we in an era now? You know, I make the case that every four generations, America gets real ugly. It's like the winter, you know, springtime America, summertime, autumn, and winter. We're physically in winter now, but spiritually we are in a winter-like generation and Donald Trump is built for this, is he not? Well, he proved over the years, you know, he fought it out in New York City with all the uh, tabloids and all the media coming after him. He had a lot of experience dealing with, uh, with media, and he knew how to make them you know, play into his hands. One of the um, funniest things you'll see in the film is how these protesters would come to every single rally that Trump put together. He'd fly in. And he'd be speaking, and there'd be like four protesters with signs, you know, Trump is mean, he's a racist, something like that. <laughs> and as, as soon as they'd start yelling, Trump would say, oh, he'd smile. Oh, look, there's the protesters. Look over there. And the cameras would go over there. And then he'd, he'd use a new, his old line was, you're fired. So his new line would be, get him out of here. And the crowd would scream like a Jerry Springer show. They'd go, Trump, 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 Trump. And the media would show it on live TV over and over. So what, what's really hysterical, what you realize is the, the protesters who thought they were stopping Donald Trump were actually... They helped him. <laughs> they were responsible because they brought the media down, and they made the crowd excited and have fun. Yeah. And uh, that's what got him $2 billion worth of, of free-earned media. Wow, yeah. I mean, the guy, you're, you're absolutely right. This guy is a marketing genius. Now, as I watched the trailer on this thing, I, I could see, particularly in the debate with Hillary... I could literally almost see the wheels turning in his brain as the camera would focus on Trump and his eyebrows and the, and his, the focus of his eyes as he intently listened to Hillary and and just had a comeback uh, for everything. And he knew how to take over. He knew how to talk over top of her. I mean, the the guy. I mean, is in you. You would think that okay, he's rude and he's doesn't know what he's doing, he's fumbling. But you see a guy 
what's that old saying? There's a method to his madness. Yeah, it's, it, he absolutely understood how to handle the leftists uh, who would come after him. Uh, and, uh, you know, the Republican establishment, um, the Republican, even the conservatives, have really not understood how to fight the left in a political battlefield. Uh, they haven't admitted to themselves that the Democrat Party has become a radical socialist party. They're willing to lie, use voter fraud, and use the tools of state, mm-hmm. IRS, DOJ, FBI, to maintain power and crush the will of the American voters. Yeah, NSA this, even. I mean, they've weaponized everything. Everything. I mean, uh, I, I was, uh, had a lot of problems with the IRS as well as uh, FEC, Federal Election Commission. Uh, they tried to uh, uh, investigate me for making the film about Barack Obama's background. Uh, it was defeated three to three. The three Republicans, luckily on the commission, voted the the, the law that mm-hmm. I have a media exemption. Uh, I'm a documentary filmmaker. I'm like a newspaper or media mm-hmm. or radio like yourself, and I can put out any film I want during an election year without any particular reporting or uh, anything like that. Uh, but the uh, the Democrats wanted to uh, send me off to the Justice Department, you know. Mm-hmm. So, it, but it was it didn't go through because it went down three to three. But I just knew that if Hillary won, uh, she would appoint a, a, a seventh commissioner to the Federal Election Commission to break the ties, mm-hmm. and they would get rid of free speech, amendment after amendment. If Hillary had won, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. There'd be nothing left of the United States. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And and me as founder and president of the First Amendment, Inc., uh, you know, I, I live by this type of stuff. And uh, you're just you're absolutely right. And it's and it's the thing about it, Joel, is that almost well, really not almost everything the left and I call them neoliberals because they are not liberal. Everything they represent is antithetical to the founding principles of this nation. And is not Donald Trump implementing, you know, now hopefully there's going to be uh, something on this immigration deal uh, where, you know, maybe he's just dangling something and he'll snatch it back. I pray that he doesn't do what he says he's going to do. But so far this year, I mean, we've gotten Israel, we've gotten taxes, we've gotten regulations reduced. I, I mean, if you don't have a guy that's willing to, fight and, and insult 17 different people and then insult Hillary and really kick the door down and win. Do we have any of this? Well, uh, make a couple comments on that. Uh, look, Trump's got into office, but every time a president is in office, of course, they're susceptible to uh, being influenced by the people around them, by the situation in the country by a number of factors. Mm-hmm. So early on, the concern was, and still is, uh, Trump's advisors. Uh, of course, Javanka, uh, Jared and Ivanka Trump are known to be <laughs> Democrats <laughs> yes. uh, that, are, that have, uh, have his ear. Uh, there's a number of people in the cabinet that probably didn't even vote for him uh, that are from New York that maybe were lifelong Democrats that have certain jobs. Uh, Steve Bannon, a couple of people that we we knew to be uh, staunch conservatives, Michael Flynn, were, were dispatched. Mm-hmm. So there's always a concern. Now, Trump seems to be his own man. He's standing up for principle. He does uh, have good advisors still. But you always worry, like, what can happen? That was the biggest concern with Trump during the primary and why people supported Cruz over Trump was because mm-hmm. Cruz had a record as a constitutionalist, and we knew 
Cruz would do what he said he would do. Now, with Trump, you kind of didn't know. He gave money to the Democrats. He was all over the place in his uh, background in terms of what party he was even in. So, uh, But Trump has uh, probably proven so far to be someone who's going to keep his campaign promises. His biggest challenge is and continues to be really the ongoing assault by the Democrat Party and their allies in the leftist media complex, not really upon him, but on American democracy. Uh, the day after Trump won, remember, two million anti-democracy protesters took to the streets and they called for resistance. Yeah, the uh, nasty woman march. Yeah, I mean, most presidents get seven months of a honeymoon to get their mm-hmm. implement. Trump didn't get seven seconds. Yeah. Uh, now, don't forget their whole thing. Resistance is a military term. Mm-hmm. It's not a democratic term. In a democracy, the term is opposition, like an opposing opinion. Mm-hmm. Resistance is a call to violence. That was used by the anti-Nazi partisans in World War II, the Islamist terrorist groups like Hamas. They use uh, resistance. So the, the left is now using violent rhetoric, and not surprisingly, it led to liberal violence, such as the attempted assassination of the leading Republican lawmakers by a left-wing activist, that guy James Hodgkinson, where yeah. Steve Scalise was gravely injured. Uh, and, and you know what? The um, the Speaker of the House uh, says that today this was an attack on all of Congress. What is it with these Republicans when the guy asks, you know, are these Republicans or Democrats? And someone's, oh, they, these are Republicans. And so he goes to shoot the place up. Yeah, look, the Democrats are, have gone so far to the left. They These are, you know, it's, what's shocking is it's some of the same people like Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, you know, 10 years ago, they were much more moderate, and they have, you know, no problem. Let's just become radical socialists and, and lie about everything. Uh, it's just shocking. It's not as if they're all brand-new people. These are the same people that didn't used to be such liars. And uh, that's a phenomenon which uh, is pretty shocking to witness every day. Yeah, or maybe the real them is coming out more because, uh, you know, things are are – I wouldn't say polarize as though all of a sudden the, these are new feelings because every every four generations, I mean, in the Revolutionary War, one-third of Americans wanted to be independent. One-third wanted to stay with Britain. So, you know, right. we were not only fighting the British, we were fighting one-third of, of Americans, and, and one-third didn't care. And then, you know, four generations later, Americans fight Americans again. So don't we get to this place literally every four generations? It, it sure seems like it. Uh, there's a, a ideologies out there, this uh, leftist ideology, this fantasy of socialism that if you just uh, give the government control of everything, like Bernie Sanders calling for, let's put the bankers in jail, let's break up the uh, pharmaceutical companies, let's break up all these industries, put the government in charge. This is uh, Bolshevism. This is why... Yeah. So many people starve to death because they put bureaucrats in charge of uh, industry, and the bureaucrats are not very productive people, and they put the bourgeois in prison. Today mm-hmm. we call them entrepreneurs. Bernie Sanders wants to break up all these businesses and give it all to the government, a political mm-hmm. revolution. A and bunch of thieves, shock- really. It's, well, le- it's legal is, theft. What's shocking is people actually show up to Bernie Sanders' rallies and clap, and they went and voted for him. Yeah. Now, I assume they just have no idea what he's talking about, because he's saying things kind of in a coded message, but it's pure socialism, communism, very mm-hmm. destructive nonsense. And uh, so I think America, 
will always be in some grave danger, as uh, Ronald Reagan said, that freedom is only uh, one generation from being taken away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're so right. Now we're coming up to the uh, end of the uh, bottom of the bottom of the hour. Let's talk a little bit about the future. Where do you see the uh, with 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 Trump showing that you do not have to be a Boy Scout in order to win? Okay. Uh, right now we have a battle in Virginia. We have a, a primary uh, four very fine candidates wanting to be the Republican nominee. Uh, for Senate to take on uh, the Democrat incumbent. And we have uh, a guy that's uh, really literally a Boy Scout. And, and then we have a guy that is really literally a, a, a verbal flamethrower. What have we learned from Trump that the rest of the nation, uh, those that are competing, uh, can, can take? Is this something that only Trump can do or can others take it and make it fit their own personality and repeat it. I think on the one hand, Trump showed that you don't have to follow the traditional formulas that the establishment's created. How, here's how you run for president. You go and you get a chairman in every county. You have uh, uh, you know, fundraising events. You take in money. You put out some, uh, some videos. That whole formula uh, Trump showed is irrelevant. He didn't have much money. He didn't have any chairman in almost any state. He had no, uh, you know, very few fundraisers, no organization. He had a marketing plan, and he had a message, and he drove the message home. So I think he showed that you can do that. Now, in terms of someone being able to execute uh, a messaging campaign like Trump, uh, it's going to be very difficult. They, uh, not everybody has that savvy, that sense of humor, that, that persona, and knows how to, uh, to use the language uh, properly, it's it's it seems easy, but it's it's uh, mm-hmm. it looks simple, but it is complicated to be able to put that all together. And I think uh, it's going to be a challenge to find people that can follow that path, or even are willing to follow that path. A lot of people just. What about the to- advisors? What if there was a candidate that wanted to give it a shot, and he asked you to be his advisor? Okay, how do I pull this off? What do you say to him? Well, I actually. Uh, Believe it or not, I did have a, a Senate candidate uh, who approached me in the same manner as you're actually dis- you're mentioning. I won't mention his name or, or state. And I kind of laid out a roadmap for him how he could do it because it's someone that had no money, had a great background, um, and the me- his message is very generic, you know. And I laid it all out for him, and he loved it and wanted to go forward, but his, uh, he already had like a team of friends and relatives, essentially, mm-hmm. that were uh, already working with him, and he didn't want to abandon the, the structure that he had already set up with a kind of his son was in charge of the finances. Oh, uh, goodness. You know, his, his, best friend, <laughs> his best friend's daughter was the campaign manager. Wow. And I, and I said, look, you gotta, your son can't be the, you know, and, mm-hmm. and you, 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 know, you need to have a professional. So he yeah. couldn't make the leap. It was more of a, maybe someone that wasn't really ready for prime time. So I would say it's very difficult for, mm-hmm. for people. Uh, I think you really have to be on the ground, ground, ground floor of somebody before yeah. they even get going. But- that, uh, so it's not easy. It's not easy. Yeah, yeah. But look, it's been great having you, Joel. And tell folks real quick the movie again and where to get it. Yeah, please. Art from the Art of the Insult, artoftheinsult.com. Great. Thank you so much and much success with the film. 